Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Blah, 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 farm, 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 eggs. Welcome to Manic Rambling Spiral. I'm Heather B. Armstrong. And I'm John R. Bray. We are returning to recording the podcast. Uh, I don't, we didn't take a week off, that's for sure. <laughs> no, not, not really. From the podcast, maybe, but not really a week off. <sighs> no, I don't even know where I am right now. Um, I've been to Florida and back. Uh, but last week was the... So you had Black Friday after Thanksgiving, and then you had Cyber Monday, and then there was Giving Tuesday, which is a very big deal in the nonprofit world where I am now spending the majority of my life. I talked about this on my website for the last five or six months. I have been working in marketing and communications for a nonprofit called Farm Forward, an animal advocacy group that also works on behalf of small farmers and the environment and food policy. I have to, this is not directly related to Farm Forward, but I think it's weird that Giving Tuesday comes after the two biggest spending days of the year. Like whatever you have left, we'll take it. I mean, I feel like it should be flipped. I'll, I have so, I have so much to say about that. Um, but I, I am involved with several charities, several nonprofits, and all of them saw huge, huge spikes in donations this year. One, one nonprofit that I'm that I work with, like saw like a 500% jump over previous years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. People are really, really wanting to give money to the organizations who are doing work that will combat everything that this new administration will attempt to dismantle. That's encouraging. It is encouraging. I actually think the ACLU raised somewhere in the realm of $7 million in the week after the election. Yeah, I read that. They're at their strongest financially that they've ever been, I think. Yeah, it's been it's been good for nonprofits. It hasn't really been good for the psyche, I think, of most people who are going to be affected. But yeah, that's what I have been doing and working on and furiously trying to meet deadlines for, for the last six six months, I think, now. That's where I've been. In addition to everything else. In addition to everything else. Yeah. I, I traveled to Orlando, Florida for less than 24 hours to visit a clinic um, that is being funded by Every Mother Counts. And I had to attend a board meeting there and visit this this clinic that we have given a grant to. Wonderful, wonderful work going on there. And I'm a little burnt at the end. <laughs> Good thing it's only the holiday season, so you get to really right. kick back. Neither one of my children has submitted a a Christmas list. Nothing? Like no, even like one-off items? No, just like the poop emoji pillow. <laughs> That was the one-off item. There you go. Easy Christmas. I 
I tweeted this. I asked her, Marla, what she wanted, and she said that she wanted it to snow, but she didn't want it to be cold. And that if she couldn't have that, then she wanted a poop emoji pillow. It's a good second option, I guess. Mm-hmm. Has Lexton submitted a Christmas list? And I asked him after probably, actually, I think I made him sit down and make one because he wasn't. And it has three items on it that are just like tiny miscellaneous random things. I think one of the items is double A batteries. This is really fucking ridiculous. We're forcing your child to sit down and say, give, tell me the presents that you want me to give you. Yes. In, cel- in celebration of uh, of one of the greatest human beings to have thought to have existed. It's <laughs> a good way to put it. <laughs> is that a, I don't know if I don't know if I um, did my verbs right? Did my verbs right in that sentence? Um, yeah, I'm really conflicted about about gifts this year for my kids. I'm conf- I'm conflicted about it. About what to give or why to give or what and why and will I and yeah, yeah. it's they have everything that they need, and I know Christmas. I'm I'm big on the tradition of Christmas and getting excited about waking up on Christmas morning, but so so much sort of is is changed now that it seems I don't know. There's something raunchy about the idea of it. When I when I glance over the thought of Christmas morning, there's something raunchy about it. Raunchy is the word. I don't know. <laughs> I think I see what you're saying. I don't know if raunchy is the best way to put it, but I get what you mean. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no sense. I've even thought this before this year. There's, and I think we talked about this at one point. You know, wants versus needs, and that is the the funny part about having him sit down and make a list. Like, I don't want to just buy things to put them under the tree, so that there's stuff under the tree, so that I can buy things. Like, it doesn't it just doesn't make sense for a lot of different reasons. I read a, I just now read a tweet where someone had said that. Well, well, yes, he is appointing people to every single position to dismantle every program in this country and simultaneously surrounding himself with generals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just slowly, I mean, it's not slowly happening, but it's quietly happening. I think there's plenty of outrage in my circles. You know, I see it, but I don't think that it's as widespread as it needs to be. What, the, the outrage? I feel like it's, I feel like all, all of the concern that exists, and there's a lot of concern, obviously, is just kind of being shouted around at other people who share that concern. And then as soon as it reaches people who disagree, it just dies out. And that's yeah. kind of problematic. So let's, like, for instance, take my issue, like my being affected by these policies going forth. Uh, it all comes down to me. Me, personally, as a white woman in America, I'm going to be affected through health insurance. I have health insurance because of Obamacare, because they took away the pre-existing condition clause. And I got a letter in the mail four weeks ago that said, basically notifying me that my health insurance premiums are going up by $450 a month next year, per month. Holy shit. Yeah. And it's not, I can't afford that. Um, so I, I had to spend, um, I had to spend very, a, a lot of 
time that I didn't have um, negotiating with an insurance broker um, about my options and what I'm facing there. Um, but I, I, I don't remember what senator it was. He was talking about, you know, until we can get a replacement, you know, in place, there's always Medicare and there's always Medicaid and there's always the emergency room. <laughs> I, really? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Which I want to, hmm. when I wanted to scream back, you, 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 you can't, the emergency room doesn't treat cancer. The emergency room isn't a treatment for diabetes. And it's not exactly cost effective to stop in for something. And I, having visited this clinic just recently in, uh, in the central Florida, there's a woman named Jenny Jones who runs this clinic and she doesn't turn anybody away. And you have these low income women who either who who have health insurance, but the, these health insurance policies are very, very specific about who they can see and when they can see them and how many visits they are allocated for pre and postnatal and whatnot. And once they are considered high risk, then that makes the problem worse. And then you have women who can't afford health insurance who have to apply for um, Medicaid and the application process is so messed up that they usually don't get covered until they're like 30 weeks pregnant. And at that point, any problem, any prenatal problem that they may have been experiencing at that point is irreversible or has done so much damage that going forward, there's, it's just so messed up. And so anybody who says, well, you know, the government's going to take care of them anyway, well, no, that's actually, no, it, it, in, in many, many, many cases, it doesn't. And you're relying on people like this woman in Orlando who has this clinic who will take you and who will see you and will figure out how to, how, how to get you covered. Well, but even, even if it was true that the government would take care of them, even if those systems were in place and they worked and they were efficient and it was great, then why not have a bigger system to do the same thing? Like, if that's the attitude, well, the government's going to help them anyway. Okay, fine. Then let's have a better system that helps everyone rather than these we're going to catch the people as they're falling let's just have a better system yeah it's been it's been proven that it's much much cheaper to do preventative health care rather than treating the problem that's that has developed it's far cheaper it, it saves everyone money right it doesn't save the drug companies money but it saves healthcare providers money it saves insurers money and to do preventative care, you need insurance. Well, and I think, you know, from day one, I've never thought that the Affordable Care Act was the, the perfect, flawless, end-all solution. But it was a start. I mean, I just, it seems so ignorant to think, well, it's not, it's not perfect right now, so we need to get rid of the entire thing. Like, why, why go back to square one? When this is, I mean, I feel like this has accomplished something that's been needed for decades and decades and decades. And no, it's not perfect, but I don't know. My my premiums are going up. They're not going up that much, but I only insure myself. So, yeah, so I've got the girls on my plan going up from, I'll just be completely honest, going up from $750, 750 up to 1200 That's a lot. A month. Mm -hmm. So I called and I said, okay, I've got to, I've got to get on a different plan, you know, and I did the math and it's like, okay, so <laughs> 
if either one of them has a surgery, we're basically going to end up sixes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, but. And that's yeah. in addition to other health related expenses, right? I think we've talked about like mental health isn't covered under that. Mental health is not covered. Dental is not covered. Um, so even if you didn't use it at all, that's like, you know, $14,000 a year plus all the other. Yes. Yeah. That's kind of ridiculous. It's a, it's, and I can, and that's the thing is that I'm going to pay for it barely, but I, at least I'll have coverage. At least I'm not going to go bankrupt if something terrible happens to me. Right. I'm one of the lucky ones. Right. Yeah. So many people don't have that. Right. So really me as a white woman in post-Trump election um, America, as much as I'm going to be affected by health care, I'm not that affected by health care. Well, I, I will be if they take away the pre-existing condition clause. I'm going to start crying if I think about it because then I can't get insurance and neither can either of my children. We won't qualify. Right. And then you're totally SOL along with yep. millions of other people. There's a lot of stress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think it's, I think anyone who takes the time to sit back and think about it, regardless of, you know, gender or skin color or anything, they will be affected by it. Maybe some more than others, obviously, but it's going to have this sweeping effect. And I think a lot of people haven't realized that. I think a lot of people that are in a more privileged position have taken, have just decided that I'm going to be okay. And you will be more okay, but you won't be okay. No one is going to be okay. We're all going to die. This is the end of the world. Pretty much. This is the end of the world. Pretty uplifting. <laughs> My mom's got the right idea. She's got the food storage really ramping up right now. Really ramping up on the food storage, my mom. Are you serious? Like doomsday preparation? No. I didn't tell you this. Wait, wait. She's she's ramping up on the food store. But who did she vote for? So I, this is what I can't figure out. Is that it started right before the election and after the election, like really ramping up. And um, so I have not asked her and I won't ask her. It's just not. I really, I really have to, because of what my mom is doing for me right now, I can't describe how helpful and wonderful my mother is right now in terms of me and my kids and what we, what my, me and my kids have been through in the last month um, and how my mom has stepped in to help and if she, who she voted for right now, I can't change it. I can start to have conversations with her, but... Um, Anyway, she started talking about she started talking about food storage, which is a very Mormon thing, always has been. Kids in uh, kids in the South used to tell me <laughs> that they wanted to come see the wheat in my attic. What? <laughs> I forgot about that. Because you had so much stored. I mean, I. I, we had a little bit of food storage, but the story apparently they had been told was that Mormons store wheat in their attic, which was, I think, I thought was a very interesting way to, to frame it. Um, 
but yeah, Mormons stock up on like dry, dry goods, like canned canned goods, um, evaporated milk, um, evaporated food, lots and lots and lots of. My mom has assured me that there's a stash for me, that she's got a ton of gluten free granola bars for when <laughs> for when it goes down. <laughs> but this is like a normal practice. It is a normal practice. Why? What's the mindset behind it? You don't know about any of this? No. I mean, I, I know that there are doomsday preppers. Like, I know that that is a thing. But I didn't know it was a Mormon-specific thing. I wouldn't call it... I guess you could call it a doomsday preparation for Mormons. Mormons believe that this is the end... Of, we're, we're in the end times. Um, they call it... Um, oh, gosh. Saturday. We, we're called Saturday's Warriors because God made the earth on Sunday... And I believe it took him seven days. I don't know how that ties into this. But anyway, we are at the end of Saturday. And come Sunday morning, that's basically the end of the world. is Saturday night, something like that. Anyway, <laughs> I'm getting wow. this all messed up. We, we, have been, we were chosen in the pre-existence to come live now because we are living in, at the end of time of, of, of the earth and that the second coming of Jesus Christ is soon. It's coming very, very soon. And there are predictors, and those predictors are wars and rumors of wars and um, a lot of natural disasters, a lot of natural disasters, um, which they use to explain away the idea of um, global warming. Their, their excuse is, no, this is just a part of God's plan because the end of the world is coming. Right, just part of the natural disasters. Yeah. Hmm. And the wars that, that are happening, like, what's the point in preventing them? It's just a sign that Christ is coming. So in order to get prepared for, what, for the apocalypse, basically, we need to stock up and have, we, it's basically doomsday. We need to make sure, you know, when the electricity goes out, what are you going to eat? And where are you going to use the bathroom? And do you have enough water? And you need to be prepared. And there are things called 72-hour kits. Yeah. So you need to be prepared for 72 hours. Mormons are, they're killer at this. And, uh, but over the last month, like my family, all of them have been talking about what they're, like they're, they're adding to it every day to their stash. I don't know. Where, well, I do know where they're putting it because every house in Utah has a room. Specifically <laughs> for are, this? Yes. Wow. Every house has a, a room a that in, in the basement, a cold room where they store all of the, the food storage. But what, so if, if we've been at the end of times, why all of a sudden is it picking up? That's my, that's what I don't know. Okay. I think that my mom, maybe they think that his winning or is going to usher in the end of time. I mean, she's got a point, but. But also. By the Mormon view, that's a good thing, right? Yeah. So. I guess it's a good thing. Huh. I mean, I'm trying to remember when I was Mormon. I mean, we, we never want to be burned. We never want to drown in a, in a, in a, <laughs> a flash flood. I mean, we don't, right. right. we, we don't want to die in a fire. We don't want a hurricane to kill our family. But, you know, these are the things that we have to be prepared for. Interesting. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so I need... Just 
I mean, this is sort of like made me sort of aware, like, you know what, I really probably should have enough food on hand for like a day or two or three and some water, maybe a radio. Are you considering doomsday prep? I don't. This is really fun. What's what's going on, man? I mean, he's dismantling the he's dismantling the country. Yeah, pretty much. Which is kind of sometimes if you look at it, not a bad thing, but we, we could we could use a, you know, a restart. We could turn it off and on again. (laughs) Well, and that was kind of, I mean, way back, what, in the middle of 2015. That was sort of what what Trump's big appeal was for a lot of people, is that he was kind of going to turn it off and turn it back on. He wasn't politically entrenched. Right? He was anti- politics and that's what people like. Well, he liked. was going to he was going to return us to a, he was going to return us to a a time in America when white people were uh had it could breathe more easily. Right, the good old days, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, even if even if we need a reset, I don't think this is exactly the reset we need. <laughs> Maybe. I'm just throwing it out there. But I feel like the one advantage that we have, not just in America, but in, you know, present day with everything that we have is the rapid nature of communication and information spread that wasn't available, you know, 20 years ago or 50 years ago or 100 years ago. And I think that is incredibly advantageous, being able to make people across the country and around the world aware of things immediately. Granted, people have to be willing to listen and have to realize the magnitude of what they're reading or hearing. But they, but that's the danger too. I mean, fake news. The, we're hearing about fake news. <laughs> instead, of, instead of just broadly talking about fake news, I want to bring up a specific instance of. There's a woman that I follow on Twitter and on Facebook. I don't know if you read this or heard about it. About so when the whole Starbucks boycott was happening. <sighs> Oh, yeah. Starbucks boy, boycott was, I don't even, what, what started the Starbucks boycott? Is this the what thing started that? where people were asking to have Trump written on their cup? Is that yes. the one that you're talking about? Okay. Yes. From what I know, and, and I don't know if I saw it too late, but there was a video of someone basically just screaming at a barista. I don't know if he waited too long or what happened. Whenever the video popped in, he was kind of already shouting at her, a white man. I believe the barista was black. I'm not positive. I don't remember the video that well. And he was screaming about how things are going to be different because Trump and Trump and Trump and kind of went off. And then for some reason, it made people think that they should boycott Starbucks by purchasing drinks at Starbucks. And having them say, my name is Trump, so that the person would have to call out Trump. Right. Which Starbucks is not obligated to take your name or write it down. Like, it's not written into their policies. So it was kind of ridiculous, to be honest. In fact, the Starbucks that I normally go to doesn't take names ever. Yeah, and the one that I go to is hit or miss. Yeah. Or if they take them, they don't always call them out. Sometimes they take it and then call out the drink. A woman I follow on Facebook tweeted that she... (laughs) Yes, that gets so... Oh, I really need to laugh. She said... She tweeted... I work at the Starbucks. I work at the Starbucks in Lexington, t- Kentucky, and if anybody asks me to write Trump on their cup, I'm gonna spit in their coffee. <laughs> and she lives in Canada. I believe she lives right outside of Toronto. And she tweeted this. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, and people went bonkers. And 
were reporting her to Starbucks and trying to get her fired and calling her a traitor and calling her unpatriotic and saying that she should be banned from the country and reporting her again to Starbucks saying that she should get fired. And Scott Bayo even got involved. Oh, my God. So she let it go on for a while. And then she people were like, that's illegal. It's a violation. And she goes, it's not a violation in Kentucky. Oh, God. <laughs> so she, she, she baited a lot of these people to start arguing with her. And then the next day she tweeted, I just got fired from my job at Starbucks in Lexington, Kentucky. So everybody's cheering about the fact that they had gotten her fired and that this was justice and she should now learn her lesson and know better. And that's when Scott Bayo got involved and he was retweeting all of this. <laughs> and she's doing it all from Canada. And I, oh man, I was laughing so hard just at her dry, I just got fired from my job at the <laughs> the Starbucks in Lexington, Kentucky. <laughs> and no one... No one along the way took the time to find out who she was. No, all of like, us, all of us who, all of us who knew her, were just sitting back with our arms crossed, just letting it, watching it all unfold, and laughing the entire time. But it proves the point that these people, the out, there is no looking into um, where the source is coming from. I mean, it says in her bio on Twitter that she lives in Canada. <laughs> I was going to ask, yeah, was it that easy to just check it? Yes. Yeah. So, wow! But the, that's the scary thing is how much fake news has played into what is going on now, and how easy it is to make up a story and um, put it out on Facebook, and with the right algorithms, and with the right title, and with the right caps lock, it can completely take off. Right, which is obviously the downside to the rapid spread of information. Mm -hmm. But I still think that that rapid spread has great potential, obviously, to help people organize for the right reasons, to help people get the right information. It does. I did see someone call this morning for Twitter to ban Donald Trump. Really? Because of his reckless behavior. Yeah. Wow. Like prominent people were calling for for Twitter to ban him. That's strange. I don't think they'll respond Nothing. at all. No. But he did lose control of his Twitter account, though, didn't he, shortly before the election? Like, I think, I think his campaign it? took it from him at the few days before the election. <laughs> oh, they took away his Minecraft. You can't right. have Minecraft, Donald. Yeah. That's, that's grounded for three it. days. <laughs> it all feels kind of surreal, honestly. Like, the more I read, the, the more unreal it becomes. And that is, uh, that I think... That feeling that we're having, that feeling that we're having comes from such a price, a price, such a place of privilege for us to be thinking like, well, this can't be happening. Like disenfranchised people feel this all the time. Oh, yeah. Well, I think the fact that it's a new feeling mm -hmm. for us. Yeah. And it's not even so much this can't be happening. It's just how, how did it get to this point? Which isn't exactly a hard question to answer. But it's just, it's strange. And you're right. It is because we haven't had to live that reality every single day. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips and adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm working for animals now. Yeah, and Merry Christmas, by the way, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm working on behalf. I'm, I'm, we're doing some work at Farm Forward on behalf of reaching out to um, independent farmers and standing up for those people in standing up for um, people who work on factory farms and the violations that go on there. There's important work that needs to be done and needs to be addressed that we're working on. But the main focus of our advocacy is for farmed animals and the thinking that the more humane we are to the least powerful among us, the, the more we are humane to each other. But yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised when I announced uh, that I was working for Farm Forward that um, that I didn't get more pushback saying that I should be working on behalf of people. And I think that comes from this uh, state that we are all in of, well, well, fuck now, who do I give money to who's doing work so that he doesn't destroy everything? You know, let's give money to Planned Parenthood for this cause. We'll give money to the ACLU for this cause. We'll give money to being black at school. I'm going to give being black at school a plug here. My friend Kelly Wickham quit her job last year. She's She's been working in um, the school systems for over 20 years and quit her job and has now started a nonprofit um, to help educators and to help parents and to help anyone who wants to get involved to better the system for people for children of color in the school systems she's the right person to head that up and it's like so let's give her money to do her work and who else can we give the money to that's going like the sierra club you know right um but yeah well but at a certain point you have to pick you don't have to be done doing things but you can't you can't possibly give money to everything I think people were like, okay, well, here's another organization that is doing something. And we do we do very good work. I'm, the team of people that I work with is incredible, very dedicated. They're, they're in it for the work. And yeah. And you're working to, 
to better something. I mean, yes, it's animals and not people, but it's to, to improve something, which in the long run has that trickle-down effect of improving other things. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to argue against that. And I think no matter who, no matter what organization you choose to support or give money to, you, you could easily turn around and find another organization that is quote-unquote more worthy for any number of reasons because there are so many different places and so many different groups that need help. Now, especially. Yes. And then you always find, you know, it's like right around these times to where you get the people who, like there's all these organizations and they all seem really great. And then you read an article about this organization that's really not that great because of this and this and this. And then it starts to whittle down the list of which one is the best one to give your money to, which I think makes it even more complicated and frustrated for people who just want to be able to help something. There are several websites, I believe, that that rate charities on their effectiveness and what they spend their money on and what their overhead is. And there's also, have we talked about this? There's an excellent TED Talk about nonprofits spending money on ad budget and marketing and communications. And he makes the point that we, we will spend hundreds, if not thousands, of dollars every year buying coffee or a Pepsi or a Coke. And we are giving this for-profit company our money all the time, all the time. And we see ads for Starbucks and Coke and Pepsi everywhere. And we know that they have an entire building, if not four or five buildings of people dedicated to their marketing efforts. We, they have teams and teams and teams and layers of teams working, working on their marketing plan. And hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars, go into marketing what you're already paying for. Yet, (laughs) when you give money to a nonprofit that is out to try to make the world better, by God, they better not fucking spend that on their marketing budget. By God, that had better go to fucking save a life. And... The outrage over the overhead of marketing budgets and salaries and trying to make the operation work becomes this beast of, well, you know, here we are operating on just this shoe, tiny little shoestring budget, where if you gave them, let's say you gave them 100 bucks, that 100 bucks could go towards saving a life which is important, or let's just say that 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 $100 could go towards more drinking water. But how about we take that $100 and turn it into $60,000 because we've put it towards this ad that's going to reach this many people. Right. But you have to think that through from start to finish. And I think a lot of people are just reactionary. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, if I don't take the time to think about it, I would rather that $100 make sure that some people have clean drinking water. But then if you take a minute and step back and say, okay, but then once they use that up, if no one else knows that they need money, then that's it. But if they use it for marketing and a thousand people know they need money, then they'll have a lot more money and more people can have water. Right. But I think people are just so skeptical of others trying to make an easy dollar. You know, this is my nonprofit and I make all of this money every year and they don't want to. And I'm not saying that I've that I can identify any nonprofits like that. But I think that's how some people think. Like you say you run a nonprofit, but you're getting paid. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. it's a lot of work. I mean, you're working for Farm Forward and I've only seen a very small percentage in terms of just talking to you about 
the work that you're doing. And it's a lot of work, a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> to, to put it mildly. I mean, you can't, I think people sometimes just assume that nonprofits should not make any money. They should have no money. Like it should all go to, to only the, the people or the animals or the trees or whatever it is. But it's just, it's unrealistic. It's a job for people too. It's their job to help. There are 12 people on our team. These, all these 12 people, this is their, this is their livelihood. This is what they do for a living. They are working on behalf of dismantling factory farms. This is what, this is how they live and how they pay their bills. And this is what they've dedicated their lives to. They have to keep their lights on while at the same time creating programs and lobbying for policies and working toward all of the good work and, and while putting money toward, you know, getting um, like one of the things, one of my, my colleague, Andrew works, he, he got like a, a big, a big victory for, for him was he got the university of California, Berkeley to completely commit to buying only from specific farms that treat their animals a specific with, with higher welfare in mind. So the university of California, Berkeley has committed to all higher welfare animal products on campus, which is a huge, huge win. Because once you start to make institutional change in buying habits in, and in purchasing things, that affects the bigger demand and the bigger change across the whole system, this little incremental change that happens. And so um, he then got a, pro, he got a commitment from the entire UC system for buying higher welfare eggs, like little incremental change so that that buying power from the University of California then extends beyond into other purchasing practices. So blah, 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 farm, 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 eggs, higher welfare, animal, animal welfare. This is, this is the language that I deal in now. <laughs> it's important language. It's just higher welfare, kosher slaughter, well, you got to learn the lingo. Got to learn the lingo. <laughs> My friend texted me once and she's like, what have you been doing? I'm like, I have been editing a kosher slaughter press release all day long. And she's like, what? <laughs> kosher slaughter. Yes. But that it, it is an interesting way to put it, like about a cup of coffee. You know, you buy a $5 cup of coffee and that $5 in a roundabout way goes to someone who also maybe has a family and has to pay bills and markets coffee or you give five dollars to say farm forward or any organization and it goes to someone who has to raise a family and pay bills and help people or the planet or animals but somehow no one really gives a second thought to the five dollar cup of coffee no or or even if they think well that's really expensive they don't really care what it goes toward but if it's five dollars to a nonprofit, they want to know where where that's going like exactly. And if it goes to anything that is quote unquote unnecessary, then it's a problem. Yes. This is, this is the dilemma that I know of, of, of most nonprofits that I have been with. It's, it's a dilemma that, that they face quite a bit in, in, in trying in desperately trying to keep their overhead as low as possible. So that that one thing, keeping their overhead as low as possible is really crucial, especially like in Charity Navigator. I believe is the website and people look for people who are donating look for that ratio for sure. I mean, it's why every mother counts um, when you're a part of like their running program and you run for them and you raise money through CrowdRise, like 
100% of what you raise goes straight to their grants. None of it goes to the overhead. Right. Because they know that making that leap for a lot of people who are like, do I do I donate this $5? I don't know. I don't know if I want to. But if you say right up front, 100% of that is going to go to someone in Haiti who doesn't have access to uh, an OBGYN and who's going to have a midwife at her side, that $5 is, is going to be used for that. Then, oh, yeah, here's here's my $5. Well, and I mean, I've probably, I probably respond the same way. Like when you see something like 100% goes to the cause, it makes you feel good about the $5 that you're spending. But if it said, you know, $4 is going to go to the cause and $1 is going to go toward getting more people to donate, that's also pretty good, right? right? But trying to, trying, to condense that me- trying to condense that message, you know, like, okay, so for, like, you know, like a good 75% is going to go, but then the other 25% is going to go to this and getting that message like really succinctly to them and having them cross the threshold of pushing donate, you know? Oh yeah. That's, yeah. Well, and it's hard to cover. It's like the, the fine line between too much information and enough because you can't just say 25% is going to other stuff, for example. But then when you start mm-hmm. to say that it's going toward marketing and administration and this, and then people pick that apart. Like, oh, that means the CEO of the nonprofit is going to make more money. And that means this. And that, I mean, that's not the case. But I think there's, there has to be, I mean, I don't, I've never done work for a nonprofit, so I'm not claiming to understand how this works. But I feel like if for nothing else, like psychologically, there has to be this almost like perfect point where you've given just enough information, but not so much information. Mm-hmm. And people are able to see, you know, that this 25%, it has to go toward administrative expenses because they need to run. I mean, the, the nonprofit needs to exist. And without that, it won't. Otherwise, you might as well just put $5 in an envelope and mail it to a farmer because, <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> like just the basic things of like having a business card so that when you go to a conference, in at Harvard to discuss the Animal Welfare Act, that you have that card to give to someone who could potentially put you in touch with a foundation that is interested in animal welfare and is willing to give your organization a grant that would cover all of your organizational costs so that any donations you bring in, you can show, you know, you can funnel all those towards programs. It's like having that business card, that business card isn't free. There's a lot that went into making that business card. There's a designer, there's a marketing plan, there's a printer, there's the paper. All of that costs money. So getting that business card into that person's hand to potentially be in front of a foundation, like that's, yeah, I'm, I've, I've had sort of a, you know, a baptism by a fire. I've been involved with a lot of nonprofits over the years, but being inside of one like this has really opened my eyes to the obstacles they face in terms of fundraising and how to appeal to an audience that's getting bombarded with a, so many messages of here's how we're helping the world and here's why we your $5 makes a difference. Right, but for some reason, like everyone is so willing to accept the idea that you have to spend money to make money as a business. But applying that logic to a nonprofit, it's somehow a bad thing. Like you're saying, you have to spend money on the business cards and that business card can open the, the door to a grant that will cover administrative expenses. But you had to spend money to get to that point. Mm-hmm. And that's just assumed if you've got a startup that you're going to blow through cash because you have to. But it seems that then when you say it's a nonprofit, well, then it's not okay. You shouldn't have to spend any money. You should just make money and then give it away, which would be great. 
but it's kind of unrealistic. <laughs> has it been good to have that view from the inside? I mean, has it changed? Like, do you think it will change how you interact with the other nonprofits that you work with? Being on the inside, I mean, I've been on the inside, like, of Every Mother Counts, you know, I'm on the board. I've traveled to the clinics that we have given money to. I've seen the difference. I've seen them turn the lights on at a clinic that didn't have electricity before you know, the grant was given. I've seen the babies that were born because we trained, we, we paid an organization on the ground in Haiti to train midwives. Like I've, I have witnessed the actual lives touched and saved by the money that every mother counts has given to these, these places. But I also know, uh, you know, they have to have a communications person. They have to have a director of finance. They have to have a, an HR director. They have to have somebody who's organizing all of the running programs that they have. Like all of this is so that they can get that money to that person in Haiti to do their job. Yeah, it makes me, this is, this is why this Christmas, it's like I really want my kids to kind of want to sit them down and I'm going to say there's let's decide who we're going to give your what I would have spent on Christmas presents let's decide what organization we're going to give it to so that they can they can make a difference in the world in America and all the programs being dismantled yes have you thought about sitting down with like Lita and talking yes, about that I have do you yeah. have any idea how she'd respond I I asked her last night I said do you really not want anything for Christmas? And she just kind of shrugged and she said, silly putty. <laughs> Go on. Silly putty and a poop emoji pillow. And uh, I, I think I really want to have a discussion with her about, and I already should have done this, only I have barely had a moment to breathe. I really think that I want to have a discussion with her about being black at school and what a difference her Christmas money could make there for like for her fellow classmates because she's she's she we were talking the other day and she said you know there are some kids in my you know seventh period class who are never on time and who never have their homework and she says i don't know how they can live with themselves <laughs> oh my god she's like how are they not freaking out that they're late and how are they not freaking out that they're not turning in their homework and there's a larger discussion to be had with her about, you know, some people have different personalities, but some people also have different support systems. And she's right at that age where she's starting to notice the difference. I think that may be a good place for her to funnel her Christmas funds. Yeah. Well, it'd be interesting. I hadn't thought of this before right now, but to, to come up with even just a list of, you know, five nonprofits, worthy nonprofits that would kind of hit at a seventh grade level, for example, mm -hmm. and sit down and present it and, you know, give them the option. Like, which two? Which two, based on what you see at school, what you do every day, which two do you think make the most sense and really get them involved in the process? Yeah. I really should have thought of that before <laughs> almost the middle of December, but... And then we're going to write... We're going to write on the donation, if you need to use all of this for administrative costs, that's okay. Right. <laughs> Go right ahead. My mom understands what it takes to run a nonprofit. And if this is going to help you guys do more, then that's awesome. Great. Thanks. Love, Lita. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Even the social, that's one thing I have been thinking a lot about, the social media aspect of a lot of these nonprofits and how active they are in social media. Like there's teams behind that. Teams. Like the ACLU yes. is all over social media. Planned Parenthood is all over. So, I mean, there's like 
teams that do this yes. to spread the word. Yes. And that's an expense they didn't to have 10 years talking. ago. Right. There's video. Do you know how expensive oh, yeah. it is to produce video? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, video is such an important component of any social media plan. It is. Like, video is where it's going. And good Lord, it is expensive to, to create video. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, but then you get into it. It is like, not cheap. It can be cheap. Anyone with a phone can do video. But the quality of the video really makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Like the quality of what you're actually producing makes a difference. So you could go on the cheap and get a cheap video and spend a small amount of money and get no return or spend a good amount of money on video and get a good return. Yeah. Nothing is cheap. I mean, you even mentioned like the business cards, a logo. Yes, it is possible to get a cheap logo, but to get really solid branding. Do you know what else is not cheap? What? Uh, Technical writing. Technical writing is most definitely not cheap. (laughs) Good technical writing. Yes. John Bray. Mm -hmm. I have been, yes, it's, that's true. That is true. And it's very important. It's very important. Copywriting is very important. Messaging is important. And that's just it. Like everything from the ground up is super important. And if you cut corners, it's going to affect how much you raise. Just like if your product development as a a for-profit company, if you cut corners and your product is crap, no one is going to buy it. It's the same thing. It's just in a different realm. So maybe that's our mission. This was just like, this feels like a, uh, like one of those episodes you would download, like, I need to learn about how to fund my nonprofit. How shall I go about doing that? I need to learn how to start my startup. Where do I go for angel investments? That's how how we'll market this one. That's how we'll market this one. We'll just do some video. Yeah. It'll be great. But that that does kind of inspire. I want to see, even if I just come up with a list of two, honestly, I'm going to be modest and just say one. I'm going to find one, one nonprofit that I think Lexton can relate to, really relate to on his level and present that. Hmm. I like that idea. And have him, you know, have him write a letter. I'm going to have her write a letter. I want to send it in an envelope. Are you going to have her handwrite it? That's what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she can type it. But she's got to at least sign it. Yeah. I really like that idea. I think that's, yeah. So get charitable donation, couple of eggs, a silly putty, and you're good to go. <laughs> There's Christmas. This is the thing, though, is that I always have like this one big major gift for my kids at the end of opening their presents. Like, and they go on kind of a treasure hunt and then they stumble upon the gift. I have no clue what I'm supposed to do. I have, I like, am I even going to do that? I, there's, there, I gave him a gym last year. I gave him a gym equipped with a balance beam, a trampoline, an indoor little mini tramp, uh, you know, a bar that they could, and then like all these like industrial, like gymnastics. I think mats. I remember you setting like that I up. I gave him. Yeah, I gave him a fucking gym last year. How am I supposed to top that? Like, that was stupid of me because how on earth am I supposed to top that? I think. No way. That's. We are going to give money to the pigs, (laughs) Lita. (laughs) That's what I've always done. I think that's what a lot of parents do. There's like, there's like the gift. But I think it's how you, how you sell it. I mean, in reality, it's, I'm not saying it's something I would have understood at 12 or especially at Marlo's age. But, you know, there's some kids that didn't get anything, any gym, 
you know, and maybe you can't change that situation right now, but maybe by, with this donation, you can help change this broader situation. That also means we have to reason with them, which is in itself a challenge. Lita's pretty reasonable. I have to give her that. How about Marlo? You think she'll go for it? Mm, no. <laughs> no. Mm, no. I think Lexton will see that it's the right thing, but wish that it wasn't. Like he'll know it's the thing to do, but he'll also know that it means he won't get, you know, X. So that sucks, which I don't know. That seems like progress. It is progress as they get older, you know, getting socks. Isn't really that, that bad. Oh, cool socks. I love getting socks. You know, (laughs) that's one of my favorite gifts. Socks. Yeah. Socks. That's all they want. A company made the a company with a marketing department made those yeah, socks. And they probably have awesome business. A company cards. with a a company with a, a an HR director made those socks. <laughs> so true. I think that's all the time we have for talk of nonprofits. That's probably true. Yeah. yeah. There's so many that you, that are doing good work and that could use the money, especially right now, given what we're facing with this administration. So I can be sure to include a link to the many organizations that I have worked with over the years on the website who do phenomenal work all across the world and here in makeamericagreatusa.com. <laughs> That'd be good, yes. And I think you know we should challenge our listeners who can you know, to consider that as a gift option for kids as well. If nothing else, to start the conversation with their kids about it. Yes, I will definitely include a link to Being Black at School, headed up by Kelly Wickham. A lot of the people in my audience probably know, already know about that. Um, but we'd love to hear your experiences with... What are your experiences with donating to nonprofits? And the work? What, what are some, some of the nonprofits that you trust to do good work here and abroad? You can reach us at stories at manicramblings.com and find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at manicramblings. Is that right? It is. Did you I get did. that right? It's perfect. Yep. <laughs> it's been a long, 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 long week. You could also yeah. review us on iTunes if you'd like. It takes just a few minutes. We would appreciate it. Really quickly, I'll just say this here at the end of the episode. I'm just going to get it out because I'll forget about it for the next time. So I said to people on my website that um, all those think pieces saying that we need to reach out and understand middle America who feels ignored. I said on my post that all of those think pieces should be addressed to dear liberal cis white person. And I got an email last night from a white dude a white man who was pissed. And he is like, I am liberal and I am cis. But if you are going to label me as those things, then I'm not going to listen to what you have to say. Seriously? <laughs> yes. Like, don't, don't tell me what I am, even if I am. Don't, don't dismiss me as those things. And when you begin that way, then nothing that you say I have an interest in listening to. And I was like, well, that is a fragile human being right there. Whoa. Wow. Not one woman complained about that. And honestly, it wasn't, it was kind of a, it was, I did it in a joking way. Like if, if anybody's going to do this work, it's going to be those of us who are white, liberal, and cis, let's, let's do the work. It wasn't a demeaning way. It was just, 
y'all, let's do this. And he was like, don't pigeonhole me. <laughs> wow. Did you respond? No. Probably best that way, yeah. No, I got up and I walked away because I was going to respond with something rather unkind. So I didn't want to put that energy out into the world. So I went and just took a big swig of water and walked around the room for a second. Good decision. (laughs) Which means also, let's just be honest, there are a ton of mental health nonprofits that we could give our money to as well. That will be included on my list. Yeah, because that's going to be needed in the next few years. Oh, yeah mental health more than ever probably so thank you for listening to the end of the world as we know it and in the name of Jesus Christ Amen many thanks to Tan Lines for the soundtrack to Lisa Congdon for the cover art and to Ryan Coomer for his expertise with the editing stuff Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.